Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Standing in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 48. 48, and uh, fair to suggest we've got a fair bit to talk about on the way through. We're going to be joined uh, in the middle of the show by Christian Hamilton, who's the National Inclusion Manager for Golf Australia, and Mike Rolls, whose story you have to hear to kind of um, to believe, really. Um, you'll find out more about why they're here and why they join us on the show when they do join us. Um, before we get to that, we've got some business at hand from... The US Open, we've got some very big domestic news as well to join us in the conversation. Martin Blake, hello, Gazelle. G'day, Andy. How are you? I'm it's good to, good to get some uh, proper night's sleep last night uh, after the US Open. I'll tell you what, the 1.30 starts. I, I couldn't do the 1.30, but, you know, probably around 5, About 6. Five, was, that's yeah. when you sort of have that restless note, Yeah, something it's, in the it's quite tough, isn't it? I can't say, but I'm, I'm never going to recover because now that, and let's hope the deal with SBS continues of course but uh, no, I found, oh, World myself, Cup as I well. found myself just absorbing the World Cup last night. Stacey Peters joins us. Hello Stace. Hey team, how are we doing? Going nicely. Stace. Um, yep. are, you, are you jumping into World Cup mode or not? Uh, not not as much as you by the sounds. I was, uh, yeah, I was US Open obsessed on the weekend. Thursday night. Well, I'll be, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, you read, uh, did you two read the story about the Mexico scored a goal in the game against Germany which was completely unexpected. Germany being the defending champions. Correct. I don't think Mexico haven't made the finals for 20 years or something, oh, Andy? Something, something like that. Like, been a while. They yeah, scored yeah. a goal and there was a seismic movement in Mexico City. They actually <laughs> measured They actually measured a slight earthquake <laughs> at the moment that this what guy did the Richter, what scored did a goal. I don't know whether what no, the was, scale was. But was the, it an actual earthquake? It was a, it, was it was a, a, a seismic movement yeah. from pe- caused by people jumping, yelling, going crazy. So I was Love thinking, it. looking at that this morning and I thought, well, maybe... Golf's seismic movement could have been Phil Mickelson running after the ball and <laughs> putting. You brought it up. Let's yeah. talk about it. It's, Get straight into it, shall we? <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of it, it's sort of overshadowed uh, almost almost the way that Shinnecock was set up and the eventual winner. But in terms of the lingering discussion, it's going to be you know what Phil did on Saturday. Now, Stacey, you're the pro. We, we, we'll kick this around. I'm sure Blakey and I got our views on it. But yes. what, what did you think when you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got up and, you know, there was all the social media was going berserk over Went it. Crazy, it was crazy, didn't it? Oh, yeah. it did. And I, I didn't like it at all. Like, it, to me, it's cheating. Yeah. Like, I think he's just had an absolute, like, a meltdown and, yeah. you know, chased it. And he's kind of, that's his anger and stuff. He hasn't admitted that. He hasn't said that in the interviews and stuff. 
But he just I, said he he just kind of used it in a cynical way to yeah. to you know take the two shots and move on. Yeah, and he, he says uh, he's which is basically about when you like, think about that, he's actually I, saying that he's deliberately breaking the rules. Yes. And I thought, oh well, I'll just take the two shots rather than have to walk down and pick my you know chip my ball from down behind the bunker. Stace, I wanted to ask you as a pro, you've played all around the world for a number of years, both amateur and as a pro. Have you ever seen anyone do that? Never, ever. And Part, I've never had a moving ball. No. I haven't, Andy. You haven't. Oh, and if, you know, not not. What in muck around tour. golf? Muck around. You'd more than. Yeah. Oh, you're what? Blade, knock it back in. You're uh, blade at a chip I, and it's going to go. I, or, you know, yeah. Just put your foot in the way. You know, don't mm. let it go in. There. Oh, I'm out of a hole anyway. Mm. You know, like yeah, a but, muck around around with your mates. You might see it occasionally, but if you're even if you're just playing with your mates, you want to play the ball from where it lies. And if you can't play from there, you take. You know, relief once you realise that the ball is in a position where you can't play it from. You don't do what Phil Mickelson did no. under any circumstances. Like, what is this going to do for our, like, Joe, uh, Joe Blow playing? Like, if his ball's yeah. running to the bunker, is he going to run up and go and hit it back? Because, oh, I'll just take the it's two a shots. It's a Pandora's box, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I just you know? don't. So, yeah, I don't Andy, like it at all. Um, look, it, it, you know, <laughs> so, it's interesting that Stace says that. She didn't like it. Um, most of the pros of that I've come across in terms of Twitter and stuff like that, social media, they're, they're pretty much against. They felt that it was disrespectful, and mm. you know I can name Stuart Appleby, uh, Lee Westwood, uh, Stephen Bowditch, um, uh, Steve Elkington. There's a, the number, and there's so there's more on. who who felt that, and they felt that there was two, you know, one rule for Phil and one for everyone else. Where they gave him the two shot penalty, USGA chose not to disqualify him. They had the option of disqualifying him under the sort of catch all, the, the, the catch all yeah, yeah, rule, yeah. which refers to sort of altering the the path of the ball. Like for instance, if a ball, as you said, if a ball's going into the the uh, creek at the 15th at Augusta or the 12th at Augusta, you know, am I going to be able to go up and put my foot there and stop it from going in? That's that's kind of the area we're almost getting into. So yeah, it's come, you know, come think, April, that's you know, going to come up again, isn't it? Look, a lot Someone's of the journa- gonna... a lot of the big journos in the states. I've been reading a lot of them, and they're they're very uh, disappointed that they didn't disqualify Phil. They felt that you know it would have made a statement. Uh, mm. but one thing that I didn't like, uh, not only the act by Phil, but the interview afterwards, I thought, I thought it was, was... A, a very smart ashy. Um, if I can put it that way, you, you know, can. Just, uh, yes, you, can. Uh, you know, I, I've wanted to do this twenty-five times before, and now I've finally done it. You know, yeah, I think that was, that was, kind of, uh, you know, no. it really thumbed the nose at, at the USGA. Look, clearly he was annoyed with how he was playing. He was struggling on the day. The conditions were bad. Maybe he was annoyed trying to make a statement about <laughs> about the setup of the course, which is another issue. But. All the players that are out there were, were having their struggles, so mm-hmm. and not all of them went and putted their ball while no, it was still. I moving. think it was, you know, it made me. I was even a little more like angrier when I heard the interview. I when I heard his I interview, I was like, "Is he really thinking like that?" So disqualification. Yeah, I would one hundred percent. Right, should have been DQ'd. Yeah, I think he should have been DQ'd. I mean, yeah. he he. Uh, I heard Frank Nobolo say, "Well, if it was Pat Perez, he would have been out of the field yeah. by now." You know, if it was sort of anyone else. That, now, that's right. He, he's an iconic player. Yeah. We all know that he's a great player. But uh, he had a very bad moment. Actually, his wife, Amy, said uh, yesterday morning, he hasn't said a lot since the first interview, but Amy said, well, look, you know, you guys have a bad day at work. Well, he had a bad day. You know, it's not his proudest moment. But uh, I would have preferred that in the interview yeah, that, afterwards, uh, yeah. that, yeah. I, that yeah. I lost it mentally yeah. or, you know, because yeah. I feel that's what was happening with a lot of the players just because of how, the, you know, that was the toughest mm. day with and the course set up. Yeah, exactly. And if he, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. He read, if he reads the wins, yep. if Phil does what he does, says what he says, but then, you know, has the moment of reflection when everybody's gone and the microphones aren't in front of his face anymore. Yeah. And if he realises 
Jeez, I've made a blue here. I've stuffed and up. this has really created a massive wedge in the game. Maybe it's best if I fall on the sword here and don't turn up. Mm-hmm. Disqualify yourself. Just don't come up Sunday. Just yeah. say, listen, guys, I'm, I'm withdrawing. I what feel I I've you done. You disqualify yeah. me. You're probably trying to look after me because I'm, you know, I'm one Phil? of the greats of the game and it's a US Open mm. and I've got my US Open tra- you know, tragedies and you know, part of the narrative and all of this sort of stuff. Well, he's but, got another tragedy now. Well, well this, is not a, this is a disgrace. <laughs> yes. This yeah. is a disgrace, you know. So um, yeah. it, 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 was, it was kind of the lead story in the end at the end of a Saturday where they just, again, they being the USGA, just about They said derail, they weren't going to do it. They just know? about derailed their own tournament. Again, again. again. I mean, they said they weren't going to do what they did in 204 at the same venue. They yeah. did it again, Blakey. I mean, it was and even hard. after the women's one, you know, they had the, you know, how they played the women's oh, with yeah. no preferred lies, mud yeah. balls, yeah. and it's like, oh, they've had a shocker again. Mm. I don't know, they need someone to help them kind of set... Set things up. I mean, well, you know, setting up of a golf course. For maybe a Trevor needs to go and help. Trevor Hurd needs yeah. to get over there. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's look. They, Mike Clayton wrote a good piece, and I, I'd uh, advise any of our listeners to read it on on the, our website golf.org.au. But um, he was making the point that the 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 people who set up these courses they're always battling nowadays against the distance that the ball flies. Mm-hmm. So there's a context to it. So they're trying to. Protect the court, the old courses from being savaged by the Brooks Kepkers who can hit a three wood oh. three hundred and forty seven yards. All monsters. You know? The guys, the guys who were contending. But what what smashing. happens is they go too far. So I thought it was my judgment was from here was that it was okay for three days, and on the th- sorry the third day yeah. was the only day when it really they really messed it up. It came up windy in the afternoon, and the poor old guys who played in the afternoon, Dustin Johnson was the worst affected by this. He probably should have won the U.S. Open, actually, but he got absolutely nailed by it. The people who played in the afternoon were just, you know, playing a different course. I now, thought DJ handled it quite well. You know, in his interviews and stuff, he was like, well, that's true. expected. I thought, you know, well, he said there was a couple of pin Well, I guess on any links would... course, I mean, if you go to go and play an Open Championship, the same thing happens. If you get, you yeah. can get on the wrong side of the draw, people talk about that Summer all at 6.30, time, summer you know? at 3.30, you know. But it's... this was, you know, it was the same course, same date. Look, yeah. uh, they, messed, they messed that up. Which is really unfortunate. Uh, having said that, Andy, after all of those things that happened, we got a great leaderboard and and some really great players came through, including DJ and Kepka, who I just think is is a fabulous player. And one thing I would say about him, he never complained once all no, week. He, no. he never said a word no. about how tough it was or how hard it was, no. and neither did. Uh, uh, Dustin Johnson. So, you know, Kepka, he's a, he's an awesome player. In, I mean, in the final round, it was I reckon it would have been. And they're great mates, so you're not looking workout you, buddies. You, you, yep. Yep. They're not looking to sort of draw, stick the foot on the throat of the other bloke. But if you were Kepka, once it, once the wheels started to fall off Johnson, and they started to wobble pretty early in couldn't the final part, round, couldn't putt, couldn't putt, and yeah. he started to oh, I bobbled. Oh, I bobbled. And he's patting, he missed another putt and he's patting it down. Yeah. Clearly, the Greens were inside his head. Yeah. And Kepka's right. an unfussed player anyway. He doesn't muck around. But he, I reckon it was almost, look, I'm sure it wasn't games and shit, but the fact that Kepka was so, uh, was so no nonsense about everything that he did, just stepped up, hit it. If he missed a putt, didn't complain, didn't yeah. miss Just many. took the result. Just mm. took the yeah. result, moved on. Yeah. It, it, would, it was almost sort of shining a light on how frustrated um, Johnson was and how, in his head, um, the whole environmental experience it had got. He was 
And he sort of did well, I reckon, DJ, to kind of hang on. Yeah. Because after about six or seven holes, it looked like he was going to have he was going to shoot eighty. Well, he had thirty-eight putts on the Saturday. By the way, he mm. he he, he three putted his way around on Saturday, but he still somehow because stayed it was such a contest. tough day, he yeah. stayed in it and he was tied for the lead. But it, it all returned again on the on the Sunday as well. So the bloke will be kicking himself. Will probably be Tommy Fleetwood at the end. <laughs> Fleetwood shoot sixty three, you know, yeah. equal six sixty three in US Open history, equal low score in US Open. But the last three holes, when he yeah. when he was right in it, he actually I'm not gonna say he hit bad parts, yeah. but he lost a bit of authority on the Yeah, like that one on the last it he was just like, let uh, it leak a bit. Yeah. Seventeen I reckon he didn't quite hit the putt as authoritatively as he clearly had or he's had been yeah imagine Um, shooting 63 in the last round of US Open and thinking you left a couple out there I know and that's exactly yeah I I feel bad saying it like that but he really I think he did he had great chances yeah Yeah. it was really tough the other great the other amazing story and the noteworthy story was um, was that of Ricky Fowler I mean I I don't know I I'm not a stats. I'm not a stats boff, and somebody listening to the show will be. And if you know, if there's ever been a discre- greater discrepancy from round three to round four in the history of the game, <laughs> I want to know what it is. Send it to us at Inside the Ropes. But yeah. 84, 84 shoots on the on the Saturday when it was you know hellish out there. Comes out the next day, nineteen shots better, <laughs> sixty five in the final. I mean that is that's a comeback, under, isn't that a hell of a turnaround? Yeah. Yeah. I think what really happened, Andy, is that they, they got so uh, scared off by the, the tumult that happened on Saturday, they turned down the, the dial a bit, quite a bit on the Sunday. And obviously Fleetwood shoots 63. And, you know, I guess the USGA uh, kind of let that they, happen, they? backed they? off. They, and they, yeah. I think the average score on the last day was uh, 73, I'm going to say, and it, was, it got as high as 76 on the first day. They got so. lucky. I mean, the wind backed off a bit. Yeah. They poured the water. I mean, before yeah. the third round had been completed, they're out there with the hoses. They're they're watering the greens on the Saturday night. Yeah. So they, they knew they made it blue, and they couldn't possibly have the last round yeah. um, if the wind continued. They to had to turn it down. They to so Kepka, really interesting, I reckon. And you'll love this, Andy. I'm sure you know this anyway. But for the listener's point of view, Brooks Kepka went to college in Florida, where he comes from, and at 21 years of age, he goes over. He doesn't do the traditional American thing and just hang around. Home. He turns pro and he goes over the challenge tour in Europe. Mm. Very unusual. Yep. Goes over there, dominates that tour, gets onto the European tour. He was rookie of the year, I think, 2014 or 2015. Yep. Yep. So he goes and learns how to play around the world, play in different conditions, play in windy conditions, different to the dartboard stuff of America. He's a, he's a world player, this mm. guy. And he could be number one in the world pretty soon he's an awesome player i mean he had a wrist injury last year after he won the u.s open last year got a wrist injury he was very good at the Ryder cup as well uh, but he uh he was threatened his career was threatened and now he's come back i mean the you know he could do anything now he he's, could do anything mm. he he's got short game he's got long game he's he's very calm he doesn't seem to get particularly nervous although he did wobble a bit on the 18th didn't he hit, hit, hit one left on 18 oh, yeah. which, which How just lucky did he get of, off the grandstand just <laughs> sort of open it up but then he hits a pure little pitch onto the green and two putts mm. for the win so i think i, I love the way he goes about it I, I really yeah and i think he he talks about that quite a bit about his pathway and how much that yes. has helped him 
Yeah. Yeah, to kind of toughen easy. him up a little. He, you know, yeah. but don't, don't ever think it was easy. I've read quotes from him where he said that he was, you know, very close to coming home a few times when, yeah. he, when he was there because he was just a young guy on his own, basically travelling. Mm, I read much. a lot last year after, you know, it sort of yeah. all came out after he won the US Open. And, but the result yeah, is a, a rounded, it's a rounded golf Spot player. Spot on, mm. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, nine Aussies teed it up, two got through. In the end, they didn't really, you know, they never stuck their nose in the frame on the weekend. But Aaron Battle and Mark Leishman at least get a number alongside their name after the completion of the four rounds. Battley, again, you know, becomes Solid. A, yeah, again. I mean, he's just. 25th. We yeah. spoke to him last yeah. week um, on, on radio, and he's, he's 37, five kids. Like, he's, he's lived a lot of golf course. Yeah, right. um, but he thinks his best is in front of him. Yeah. Now I was looking at his stats. He, he, you know, his ball striking must have been pretty good. I mean, mm. they did they didn't show him on the coverage, so it's hard to tell. But you know, his greens in reg and all that was pretty good. He just didn't. He had quite a few putts, which is unusual uh, for him. Usually, and, a strength uh, of his. Yeah, know, Jason Scrivener was an interesting one. He he um, he was inside the cut line yeah, until the, what, till the last hole on the second day. I think he had a double on the last oh. hole to miss, uh, miss out. Miss, so. Missed by one, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jason Day seventy nine seventy three was a bit uh, that. Came out of the blue. I didn't, didn't see that coming. But then the first day, it was so tough. Well, how many of them? The mm. first day was. I mean, you talk about the Saturday being the day. The Thursday was brutal. Like, and, and you saw the scores yeah. that were being po- posted by Tiger and Rory and um, and Jason. I mean, some of the best players in the world were struggling to break eighty on the yeah. Thursday. It was it was tough. Yeah, was and rough start for uh, Lucas. One Lucas of, uh, Herbert, yeah. yeah, one of our favourites on the show here. <laughs> yeah. First, first, uh, first, eighteen holes in a major shot, eighty three. Yeah, but did that, birdie the first hole of the day and oh, was leading the U.S. Open. He was so, leading. Yep. Did he, right. did he take a screenshot <laughs> yeah. of the scoreboard? Oh, I don't know, but that was when I got up and I was like, "Oh, this is good. This is but good." I love, I love his. But, I love his post-tournament reflection stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's taken this on board. He'll take a lot from that yeah. going into the Open as well. I think that'll really help him. No doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. No doubt about that. Um, anything else from Shinnecock before we move on? Any last last words before we think about Pebble next next year? I don't think they can quite set Pebble up. No, to be the kind of course that we got another green, another course with Poana Greens, which they offer their own special, unique challenge. But but I don't think they can set Pebble up quite as hard, can they? The USGA. Well, I, I, I haven't, haven't been it? there, but uh, you know, my understanding is that you know Shinnecock, the greens are extremely severe. Yeah. So so if it gets uh, very windy, then it can blow off the greens. Whereas I don't believe that that's going to happen at Pebble Beach. So that that would be pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I was just watching. Look, the US Open is great. I mean, a lot of people I know love watching pros struggle in golf because they you know they they just enjoy the you know the little. Um, watching that, but you know, on Saturday you're, you're watching it and you're thinking this is not much fun for anyone. So it's unfortunate what happened, but we did end up with a great winner. Yeah, great winner. Yeah. LPGA stays. Um, our girl, not Minji Sue, continues to fly the flag. Yeah, she is just in some form these last two months. I feel like we're talking about her every week Which here, is but a it was it was awesome. I mean, she was right tied up there 13th, again, tied thirteenth. Yeah, 13th, yeah um, with a. She won 27,000 uh, 27, bucks. I think yeah. she's won a couple of hundred thousand in the last month. Yeah, seriously. Uh, her last, what, six, seven weeks? It's been. Well, Clayton said some of the stats about the over par, under par for mm. start yeah. of the, It was. Well, it was unbelievable. So, so, yeah, so really she's changed. Have you spoken to her recently? She's, yeah, a little she's, bit, actually. She's changed yeah. uh, to steel shafts. How. how yeah. How unusual is that for a for a female pro to have? Oh, I think she's 
Well, Clates will say it's because he told her to. <laughs> right. But, yeah, of course he will. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I've what never. What percentage re- of female pros do you think would use steel shafts oh. or? I mean, or I graphite? actually, I actually think quite a lot steel. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. always used steel. Um, yeah. But do you, you know what? I don't really... That sort yeah. of stuff I don't really pay too much attention to. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, but obviously it's made... A, it's she's had a, her, she's had quite a few changes, as we know. We've spoke of quite a bit on the show. Um, yeah, but her, yeah dad, her dad came home, so uh, with yeah. that, no, no disrespect to him, he's no, a great he's, guy, he's a great SG, guy. but yeah. he, she's running her own show, which, yeah. and, and it seems to be working for her, which, you know... It's a, exactly. Um, and, and you were saying before she's... In line for the international crown, just explain it to the yeah, listeners so the what that event actually crown, is. Um, yeah. So it's top four ranked Australia Australia's teams event. Yeah. Teams event, top four ranked off the world rankings. Um, so right now it is uh, Minji, help me out, Cat, uh, Catherine Kirk, Sarah Jane, and Sarah Jane Sue, Sue, Sue as Sue well. So. Um, but that is finalised after KPMG mm-hmm. uh, in next week. And good luck um, trying to beat South Korea. That'll be tough. Yes. Oh, so, so Their nice. top four will be, so you know, nice. numbers one, three, four and six or <laughs> yeah, something. That's it for world rankings. Probably um, they'll have six, six or seven players inside the world top 20. Yeah. Yep, team. Co- correct. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Tough qualifying for that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and So Young, who we haven't even actually so touched young, on yeah, yet, yeah. Who, oh, who, uh, who won the LPGA event last week. Our honorary Aussie. That's so right. Young, yeah, um, she's still got the Australian. She's definitely got the Australian coach, Cameron McCormick. I'm not sure. Yeah. She's still um, got Tom Watson on the, on the no, back. Uh, no. no, no, no uh, Mikey Patterson. Oh, Mike Patterson, who who's used to a caddy long-time Carrie's Curry. yeah. caddy, yeah. So that was a great result for them. And, yeah, we're happy to see her win if it can't be one but, of our girls. Stace, she must be really pleased that Suo has come through because she was, you know, I think she was number one uh, ranked amateur in the world. She won the Australian Ladies Masters when she was about 19 years of age. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really, the curve didn't keep going up. But compared to Minji Lee, who she came through with, yeah. who kept soaring and has now won three times or four times over there. But Sue didn't have that path, did she? But she's still very young. I think she's only 22. Yeah, exactly. For an Australian woman, young Australian woman at that age to be uh, competing at that level on the LPGA, it's pretty pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she's kind of, you know, goes under the radar a little bit because of Minji. Um, but yeah, she did yeah. struggle when she first turned professional on the Symmetra. She started out on the Symmetra. But in the end, you know, I think that's probably the best thing for her. Like, um, you know, do you say toughen her up? Or, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's been great. And it's really been good to watch her progression over the last, well, especially the last couple of months mm. after having such a rough start to the season. And to turn it around the way she has, it's, yeah, it's been great mm. to see. Last on, and before we get to a break, got a great story about inclusion and, you know, spreading um, the great game of golf, a fantastic thing that Golf Australia is doing on the other side of the break. But um, the CEO of Golf, Vic Simon Brookhouse, will join us on the show next week. The announcement this week about um, the growth uh, of the Vic Open, where it's got to in an unbelievably short period of time, this was a. I found this to be quite a stunning announcement uh, that was made in conjunction with Golf Victoria and the Victorian state government last week. A phenomenal. Mm. Uh, and I know you're part of it, Stace. It's phenomenal the growth of this event. Yeah, it's so exciting, isn't it? It's kind of exciting to be involved and to what the team there have done. You know, over what do you say, five, six years? It's kind of it's unbelievable, it really. Unbelievable. And so stripping it back, I mean, you know, let's just park. You know, the fact that the tournament is fantastic fun and the all that sort of stuff aside, but just the prize money. It's gone from 300000 to $3 million in five years. Mm. And, and that's in a tough environment. Now, you go and ask anyone else who's running a, a professional golf tournament in Australia how difficult it is. 
you know, the Australian Open men's and women's, very tough, very tough going. Mm. You know, the corporate support. Dollar for dollar, Blakey. Look, I I know we can get a bit too... um, No, no, in fact, we can't. In the eyes of some people, you can get caught up in being a bit too PC from time to time. But this is not that. It is dollar for dollar. Gender pay equity is unbelievably important. So I I think that's what people, including the corporate world, but I think... A lot of people love that. Yeah, you know? that's, that's why, why everybody that's wants why to get it's on board. Getting support because yeah. they think it's the right thing to do and yeah. it's the right way to go. Yeah. And is, you've seen other sports like tennis, you know, Wimbledon, Australian Open, etc. They have equal prize money for men and women. But yeah. you know what? It, it shines a lot on Stace that the product yeah. is every bit as good. Yeah. When you stand alongside one another down at 13th Beach and credit to that community down there, oh. the way they have supported this How event. good. 13th Beach have yep. just really, the golf club, have just got and behind the, it. And the people and of the Ballerine yep. Peninsula, they, they deserve this and yep. it's a credit to them. And I'm so glad it's you know it's locked in down there for the next four years yep. as well because yep. they're the ones that have made it as well. But we've yep. been down there every year. I mean, you've won it. So so it's cool. got so many quality, famous winners. The quality cool. of the female golf She's, she's nodding. <laughs> I did not. I was just <laughs> the quality of the, of, the, of the golf played by the women and the quality of the tournament down there um, has been. Let's, let's be honest. It's it's superseded yeah. the men's version of the Vic Open since they've been run concurrently. Yeah, it's been magnificent. So yeah. why and all the, the players just States? love it. Like the yeah. players, you know, so many people say, you know, it's their favourite event of the year. And this is this is mm. even before the money. Mm. So yeah. it's only, you know. <laughs> so Andy, I wonder what happens next because uh, I well I, I know that uh, Simon Brookhouse from Golf Victoria wants to get it on the European tour, the men's yeah. European tour. The women's event is already part of the ladies' European tour, but they want to get. Uh, my understanding is they want to get the women's open as part of the LPGA, and that to do that, you've got to get it up to a certain level of prize money. They've now hit that level, mm. from what I understand, so now it's a matter of negotiation, but it pretty soon could be part of the LPGA and the European Tour. How big would that be? Stuff? Yeah, I mean, it'll, Which be, means it'll you, be great, you, you won't it? You get better I mean, fields, you oh, get pe- people coming in to play for their yeah, order of merit status. Yeah. Imagine, imagine having the drone shots... Rolling oh, yeah. around 13th Beach. And With the beach just over the... Uh, oh, yeah. Exactly. It'd be awesome. So show so those good. pictures to the world. Why yep. wouldn't you want to come down and play some mm-hmm. golf? God's country. So, um, yeah, uh, Simon will join us next week to tell us a whole lot more about that. Um, it's doing its bit from an inclusion perspective and uh, obviously um, taking the game to a whole new level of Victorian Open. We're going to spend a bit of time on the other side of the break doing more of that. Uh, the, the, the Emirates Australian Open's um, made a, a significant step in a in a very significant direction from an inclusion perspective. You want to hear Mike Rolls' story on the other side of the break? That's coming up next here on Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. This is Rebecca Arda, professional golfer on the LPGA. Don't forget to listen to the podcast Inside the Ropes. Catch up on all the golfing news around the world. Welcome back to the show. Uh, on Inside the Ropes, we've been talking a lot about you know, inclusion in the game and um, bringing more people into golf, making the game a whole lot more accessible and open on the way through Stace, Blakey and I and... Um, and Hazy and others have been talking about this for a long time. And um, it's taken 
um, it's taken another step in exactly the right direction recently with news surrounding the Australian Open and uh, the National Inclusion Manager of Golf Australia, Christian Hamilton, has been good enough to join us on the show. Thanks for coming on, mate. This is uh, a a chat that we're looking forward to having with you. Yeah, thanks, Andy, Um, and thanks for having me, guys. Um, Yeah, look, huge opportunity, not only for Golf Australia, but... I think in uh, you know the, the the whole world of golf, um, this is something that's going to be uh, that's never done before. Um, we're going to see the top uh, top golfers in the world, or the top twelve players in the world with disability, playing in the uh, Emirates Australian Open this year for their it's own championship. So yeah, we're really excited. So just so we're clear on this, the Australian Open, we tee it up. Jordan Spieth, Matt Jones, whoever's there teeing it up and within the field playing at the same time are going to be the elite level disabled golfers playing at the same time on the same course exactly yep same conditions same tees same setup um embedded within the field so um we can clearly articulate now who those world best players are we share a ranking system with another 30 countries around the world and um, yeah, this is golf's opportunity to really showcase its inclusivity by design. It's um, you know it is a game that obviously everyone plays the same course, the same conditions. So we just see this as a fantastic opportunity to to showcase that to the Australian public and and really drive not only I suppose not only put these guys you know on show and you know it provides a great shop window into our sport, um, but it's really going to help drive a lot of our. Um, grassroots programs as well, and and really shine a light on on all those all those particular things we're That's doing exactly as well. What we want to do, mate. We need this game needs to break down all of the barriers that have existed traditionally, and it's a very you're working against generations of entrenched um, attitudes, as you I'm sure probably know more than any, given the fact that this is what you do twenty four seven. But when you use something like the Australian Open, the national championship. Um, to do that this is a really bold this is a great statement it's, it's not it's not it's not PR it's not PC no. this is a serious statement being made that will help break down those entrenched attitudes yeah. and behaviors, I reckon and, and we were really mindful of that as well I think when we originally st- sort of spoke about this concept is that we didn't want to do something that was just I suppose I wouldn't use the word tokenism, but Not but something that no. sort of just says, well, isn't this great? You know, people with disability can play. This is an actual event, so it's the Australian All Abilities Championship. Um, it does carry world ranking points, um, as I said. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that we we created something that we would get the world's best players coming down to Sydney to play. Um, you know, we do have a world tour now. We've we've got uh, through our partners in Europe through the um, European Disabled Golf Association, which is a federation of, as I said, uh, 26 other national governing bodies of golf around the world. Um, so we share that ranking system, and you know, just it's a great opportunity for us to talk to everyone about what we've done and what we're doing and where we see the game sort of going in the future. Christian, this was announced recently. I think Channel Seven did a, a little uh, skit on it. But uh, did you get a good response to that? Are, are people keen on the idea? Yeah, look, I, I could speak through the, uh, I, yeah, Australia, yes, fantastic, and um, I suppose my contact on a day-to-day basis is with, um, you know, the different impairment-specific bodies out there like Amputee Golf Australia or uh, Blind Golf Australia, etc. But um, definitely around the world, we've really seen 
um, you know, some fantastic uh, yeah response uh, through Europe, um, uh, through our through the USGA and through America. We've had some inquiries. Um, yeah, it, it's been great, and and also uh, we had the the uh, Director General of the International Paralympic Committee actually bringing up with Anthony Scanlon the the um, the boss of the uh, International Golf Federation, just to say that you know how impressed he was to to see that um, to and, see that happening. And of course, the International Golf Federation are trying to get um, disabled golf into the Paralympics, aren't they? Yeah, so there's a, a pitch for the, uh, or there's actually there's an application that goes in um, next month to the IPC. So that's for the 2024 games. So yeah, we've been quite fortunate that Golf Australia, along with the USGA, um, the RNA, and uh, the European Disabled Golf Association, we've been working on that application. Um, and look, it's it's pretty close. Uh, we went through a significant stage in January where we went from eleven sports down to three, uh, three possibilities for the for the twenty twenty four program, um, along with sailing and another couple of other. Uh, uh, I think it's called CF uh, uh, football, which is just a modified version of football. So we're in a great space, and I think probably the strongest part about our application is that we are a sport where we can include mm. and it's you know through the handicap system it's a measurement of your own ability they're sort of the things that the ipc wanted to see in the application that golf shares that vision of the the paralympic uh, the paralympic movement to be all inclusive well there's a bike sitting to your left who's going to be one of the beneficiaries yes. of this and uh mike rolls joins us on the show great to have you here thanks for thanks coming for on having me Mate, how exciting, before we get your story, how exciting is this for you and other amputee golfers? Yeah, I think when Christian uh, first told me I was uh, sworn to secrecy, but um, I, I wanted to uh, jump up and down if I could have. I didn't have my running legs on at the time, but I wanted to go and plant a big kiss on his forehead because he's, he's just done so much work uh, in this space and it's really brought a lot of uh, you know the diehard golfers um, and the guys that are really amazing at the game. It's brought a lot of joy to their lives. In particular, one guy I can think of, Shane Luke, who'll be there um, on display. And you've got to, it's got to be seen to be believed. Really this guy, does, mate. yeah, really he does. So Shane is a, a very um, a, a wonderful golfer, Australia's best golfer at the moment, currently according to the rankings in the EDGA, I believe, number three in the world. So he um, he's he takes his leg off when he drives it, and he um, his balance is quite incredible. And he plays off. He was down to plus one a little while ago. Yep. So yep. for people to see that and to see um, um, not just golf as a sport and um, from a competition perspective and uh, but from a rehabilitation and a lifestyle and a mental health perspective as well it's just um, it's quite a, a phenomenal win uh, for, for people with disability that want to get in, involved in the game and Christian and Golf Australia are creating the correct pathways for people to do that and um, it's just a wonderful thing so hats off to them. So tell us your story. Tell us you, you, what disability you're, yeah. you're living with and how it came to pass that so um, yeah. I'm uh, missing a couple of pegs. That's all, mate. So um, I, <laughs> I, uh, my disability is uh, is is don't below the, the fingers. Knees. Yeah. Don't yeah, forget fingers, the fingers. Mate. Oh, all the fingers as well. But um, that only prevents me from temping bowling. <laughs> so I'm missing a couple a couple of fingers on my right hand, um, which is which is a little bit uh, hard when you go bowling. Not that anyone plays that Cricket, stupid sport. Cricket might be anyway. a struggle. Cricket, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah spin bowling. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm actually um, uh, I'm 35 now. But when I was only a young fella at 18 years old, I was 
right into my contact sport, footy, um, like all, any type of sport really that um, that I could get that I could get involved in, I'd do that. Uh, always loved golf, but was never a very good golfer. Always had a bit of a temper growing up, and I'd spit the dummy halfway around and no temperament for the game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I went on a footy trip and. I was unlucky enough to um, breathe in at the wrong time and I caught meningococcal septicemia um, and then spent the next five and a half weeks in a coma and uh, I had extensive surgery as a result. And um, without going into too much detail, it's uh, it's just like catching a cold. Um, one in 100,000 people get it in each year. And uh, of that number, only 10% get seriously ill, die or, or lose limbs like I did. Um, so I had about a 5% chance to live and um, I went from being a fit, healthy, athletic 18-year-old kid to not being able to move at all in a hospital bed, uh, fighting for my life overnight. So it was a pretty drastic situation and, and certainly sport was uh, the last thing on my mind at that point. It was just a life and death situation. Um, but slowly but surely, um, you know, I, I was always, I, I guess my mindset wasn't fantastic in those early days because I was focusing on all the things I'd never get, never be able to do again. Absolutely. In particular, football. You know, I used to love footy. Uh, couldn't sleep the night before a game, um, and and those, you know, being around your teammates and things things like that. Um, and then I remember that changed for me from a mental health perspective, where I really uh, I, I I got a bit of wind in my sails when my dad, you know, secretly sort of uh, dragged me out of the house on a Saturday morning when I planned just to watch TV and lie down and and be comfortable. Where he took me down to um, a place where we had a lot of great memories down at the dunes. Uh, where I played a lot of golf, fantastic golf course, which I'm sure a lot of um, the Melbourne listeners would know about, and hopefully around Australia, if you get a chance to play it, it's it's brilliant. And he took me down there, and um, and and I didn't really want to go. And so, how old how old were you? Yeah, this is happened? only so I was in hospital for a total of six months. Yep. And um, and did you have the magnificent uh, bionic legs at that stage? No, or did you I'd just only, have some sort nah. of prosthetic. So thing? so so in the early days, it's a weird thing, you know, when 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 you're dealing with something, um, a change of that magnitude. It's not like you sit there and pop a leg on and away you go. It's kind of like you're still mourning the loss of, of the limb that you lost. And, and, and a lot of the time in those early days, my leg would sit in the corner and I wouldn't wear it because I didn't really want, it, want to accept it as, as part of my life. And, and at this stage, I saved my leg because um, I had surgery nine years later to remove my other leg. Um, that was a choice that I made. Um, but in the initial days, I had um, partial foot taken away on the left side and then a, a baloney on my right side. So... Um, I'd like to spend my days on the weekends after a, a big week at rehab in bed, lying down, not doing a lot. And then my dad um, dragged me out of the house. He said, "Let's go for a drive." And 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 uh, you know, he had this real like you know excitement um, in his in his voice. So I didn't want to let him down. Where he was taking it? No. Yeah, and he went down, and I was getting a bit pissed off because I wanted to get back, and I was in a bit of pain. I was making excuses, and I can't do this, and I you know I need to get back to the bed, and I was counting. You know, look at my watch and these mm. sorts of things, and. And then we eventually rocked up at the at the dunes, and he said, "I've just got to go and take a piss." And he he nicked off, and I was sitting in the car thinking, "What? We've gone all this way, and he's come down, and he's got to take like you must be taking the piss." And 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 he and he came back driving in one of the golf carts and opened the door, and I screamed at him and said, "What are you doing with that?" And then he said, "Why don't we go for a bit of a drive, Mike?" And um, then I jumped in the cart. He convinced me, and and we took a drive, and it was just uh, an incredible experience because being obviously that horrible sterile hospital environment for so long and being out uh, in, in nature and smell of fresh cut yep. grass in a yep. place with the sun shining all of a sudden it's amazing how the pain can disappear at that moment and then he stopped the cart again and, and he snuck a seven iron into the golf cart and a couple of balls in his pocket and he asked me if I'd like to have a hit and again I just said there's no way I can hit a golf ball I, I'm only just standing up on this leg and 
got this boot thing on my left side and don't have the balance. And he said, it's okay, I'll hold you up. And then he, uh, he he sort of kept at me and I said, oh, you know, okay, will you hold me up? And he got me out of the cart and I dropped the ball and I, I took a swing. And uh, I hit the ball beautifully, like went like 150 metres down the <laughs> middle of the fairway. And Dad was so excited, he completely forgot to hold me and dropped me flat on my face. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was it was a really specific moment. He was terrified that he'd, t- he'd hurt me and I rolled over and we just sort of both burst into laughter. And I just knew from that point, I'm like, okay, well, if I can hit it, even though I, I'm still, you know, I went from 80 kilos down to 47 kilos. So everyone thinks about the physical injuries from a ninja cockle, but internally... You're just ruined completely. It's one of the most uh, grotesque uh, bacterial yeah. infections yeah. that you can get, if not the worst. And the speed and the uh, the aggressive nature of it terrifies people, um, particularly any parents out there as well. So, thankfully, there's a lot of vaccinations against it these days. But you know that that moment out there on the course really proved to me that hey, listen, you know I love sport so much. I've grown up in Melbourne. Uh, and Melbourne is you know the capital of sport in Australia. If you know, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to say that. And then to um, to go out there and to realise, well, maybe I can focus all my energy and attention to golf and become better at that. Um, and it's been, like I said before, far more than a game. Like, you know, it's not really a game to me. I'm, I'm going to go up to the lakes in, in Sydney and play in the Australian Open, which is a dream come true. And Christian's going to probably punch me in the arm when I say this. But even if I don't play to, you know, the absolute best, and I, I got in trouble last week for saying I'd be happy to shoot 80, <laughs> Because like, I know he's, I about? know he's a lot better than that. Yeah, I'm probably, Andy. I'm probably hedging my bets a little bit. But just that experience, from from you know, from an experience perspective, I'll do my absolute damnedest to to play as well and and compete. But um, golf's been a real lifesaver for me in many ways. And and the more people that uh, we can encourage into the game, create pathways to get them out of the house and and out of their heads and into life and living life and doing something that they can feel proud of and doing something where they can connect socially. Um, I think that, that it's a sport that um, offers so much um, and more than any sport that I can think of, uh, any other sport. It's an unbelievable story. Like, it's it's a story beyond our comprehension. I yeah. mean, you, you need to really live it to know what you've been through. Sure. Um, geez, your dad sounds like a cracking bloke. I mean... That, Don't he, tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> no, like he's, a a... He, he's a wonderful man and yeah. we, we still play um, very, very regularly. And, uh, you know, whilst... He takes a few shots off me these days, and he, he certainly lets me know when he beats me and everything. But yeah, and and again, it's not it's not really a golf story; it's a, it's a life story, course, and yeah. it's it's yep. uh, he's been there every step of the way. And that was just one moment out of thousands where you know, uh, Dad would my mum and my dad, my whole family. I'm very blessed to um, I wouldn't have got been able to get through what I went through without such a, an amazing family. So, so your, your your golf journey within your life rehabilitation. Yep. How did you go from hitting that seven iron at the Junes yeah. to being where you are now? Um, pro- probably uh, it really took off when I, I made that decision in 2009 to amputate the left leg and become a double. I had a lot of chronic uh, infection, illness, and I ended up so with... So that leg, the other leg wasn't... Yeah, it was sort of never heal. I'd, okay. I'd redress it. And the more golf I'd play, um, the more time I'd spend in bed waiting for my foot to heal. So okay. it was this vicious cycle that was continuing. And, and I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back was when I got diagnosed with a bone infection in the foot and uh, all the surgeons wanted me to you know take a flat for my back and all this other stuff and they said look we you know Mike you'll spend six months in hospital waiting for a heal and there's no guarantees and I've, I sort of you know gave them the burden and left their office and thought there's no way I'm, I'm doing that there's no way I'm going to get back in a hospital bed for six months and I found a surgeon who um, he asked me what do you want to do and I said I want you to chop my leg off can you do it and he did 
And then I was up, uh, I had a leg on after five and a half weeks and I never looked back and I've been pain, relatively pain-free. I'm able to walk better. I've been back to running, um, swimming. Everything in my life just opened up and then my golf went to another level as well because I wasn't dealing with the pain. And you're, you're handicapped five now down at the National, yeah. Cape, Cape Shank. 5. But you 9, speak yeah. to a lot of people, don't you? You do a lot of public speaking yeah. about this kind of thing. I was reading the other day, you, you had this saying, amputate dead weight, which yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. What does that mean? So that, so that's an interesting one. I've, 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 I've since changed it a little because it's a bit offensive. I've been told by a few people, but I feel like I've got the I've earned the right to say that, I, I that phrase. So. I would yeah. have thought so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, got, yeah. I, got, I got canned a bit on... Um, uh, for, yeah. Anyway, so 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 it's sort of like ditch the dead weight is now is now the term that I use, right. and I relate that back to um, creating better habits in your life and and sort of taking action as opposed to just letting life trundle along and accepting things for the way they are because not always it's not always a case that they have to be. So um, it whilst that relates to uh, to me in a very um, graphic nature from the choice to amputate one of my limbs in order to improve my life. Obviously, it doesn't say it doesn't mean to say that if you want to improve your golf handicap, you need to go and see a surgeon. Um, that's certainly not what I'm saying. Um, it, it, what, it, what it sort of relates to is obviously, you know, your social networks and being careful with who you spend your time with, um, diet, exercise, what sort of habits have sort of become uh, integrated and uh, into your life that are no longer serving you or that you've outgrown. And it's about actively removing those things in order to improve your life, so... Yeah, that's sort of what I speak about. I speak in um, in schools, corporates. I uh, do a little bit of work around disability inclusion as well. But um, but most of all, it's um, you know I I, th- I think that you know the point here is with the golf uh, side of things. Um, what it's what, what's been happening over the last few years? It's kind of like wow, it's 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 been a long time coming. And, and all credit to the man sitting on my right, Christian, to be able to go into a full time role to facilitate this and and turn it into something that is going to benefit people for a long time to come. So, so he, there's, in all areas of inclusion, there's this um, moment when when words aren't enough, words aren't enough anymore. It, it actually requires action. Yeah. Somebody's actually got to do something. Don't yeah. You can talk all you like about, we're going to do this, we're going to have a plan, and it's going to be this, but someone's got to eventually say, no, no, well, now's the time. We're going yeah. to do it. Yeah. So what difference... Differences apply a better word if you want, if there is a, and I'm sure there is a better one. But what difference does it make to inclusion for people who are living playing amputee sport? What sort of difference does well, it make with, with something think, like this? I think one of the biggest things up until now um, with with this tournament up until now it's it, it was a little bit tokenistic, um, and I'm sorry sorry to say that, no, but say but no, I'd no. often get invited to a golf corporate day to have a game, or I'd get invited to a pro am, and it's like, oh look at this guy, he can hit a good golf mm. ball with he's got no legs, and that that's a bit of a it's so a bit gimmicky. Is it a kind of a circus act type situation? Well, kind of. It's a little bit like I was a little bit like Lobster Boy or something like yeah. that. So so it's kind of like you you, you get you get invited, and it's great because I, I had some great experiences. I got to play with um, Ricky Fowler um, in the World Cup pro am, which was amazing. Yeah. But there's but it, it's it's going to be absolutely no comparison to being able to play against the guys overseas that are coming out and to um, and and you only have to go and like I said before we were talking about Shane Luke earlier you should have seen his face when um, we saw him and and to have this become a reality golf means a, everything to him oh. um, since he was a 16 year old kid and he's an incredible golfer and uh, one of the most softly spoken quiet guys you've ever met in your life and he was just grinning from ear to ear the whole day knowing that this is going to be a reality. So, Christian, we have jobs and they're our jobs, right? And you do the job. When you 
when you have the ability to make this happen, be part of the, the team that makes this happen, and then you can tell people like Mike that it's going to happen. Yep. The payoff that you and it's, you don't do it for that. You do it because no. that's you're trying to make things better because that's that's the, that's a charter in front of you. But when you get the opportunity to say to people like Mike, this is actually going to happen. How how yeah, priceless is that an experience? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I and to go back just a step, I also spoke to Shane Luke about it. Mm. And um, originally, when I said, "Look, how do you feel about playing in the Australian Open uh, field?" at the lakes and he said it won't work and he it was quite odd because i didn't get too much of a response from him and he was thinking that i was talking about the australian amputee open at the lakes of course yeah and i said no mate no this is the emirates australian open this is the same field as the you know as the best you know embedded correct and and the good thing about it and i just sort of make the point as well that yes okay i'm driving a lot of these initiatives but we live and breathe it together as a as a body like Trevor Hurden, our director of championships, like he's currently looking at, you know, the field composition and how that's going to work. Um, you know, I remember the very early days talking to Stephen Pitt about it and, you know, this is something that's been shared through the whole organisation and, and I think that's a really important thing to to sort of touch on as well. Absolutely. That it, it, is, it is a shared vision by the whole organisation and, and something that we're very proud that we're working also with the PGA, um, with the Australian PGA Tour, with the PGA of Australia, and um, because it's going to take everyone to make it work. Um, it can't be just you know inclusion as a silo to say, well, that's you know Christian's event or that's you know it needs to be something that's shared across the whole organisation. I get great support through whether it's through game development or, with, or as I said through with Trevor with this event or so it's really really exciting. Um, yeah, but back to Shane. Yeah, as I said, he just couldn't believe um, what we were talking about. But I think also with what Mike said about things being tokenistic is, you know, we've worked hard at both ends of the scale. We've, we've, we were the first national body to join the European Disabled Golf Association. And people would think, well, why is Golf Australia joining that? You know, it doesn't make sense. You're not a part of Europe. But what we saw was... The opportunity to get involved in a in a ranking system and a tournament structure that fits with another, as I said, twenty six other golf federations. So you've got people like England Golf, Scotland Golf, um, you know, New Zealand have now come on board since we've had some discussions with them. They're now a member of of, of that group. So we're working at that sort of that end, but also obviously at grassroots level. And I think what this does is it turns it from being something that is looked at as tokenistic. Mm. You know, we can actually demonstrate now that we do have a tournament structure. You know, we've got 18 events this year in Australia, whether it's through Amputee Golf Australia or Blind Golf Australia, we have 18 badged events, which are GA ranking events. Um, that, you know, they and these events open up pathways to this event. They open up pathways to other events around the world. We've got We'll have a, a handful of golfers um, participating in the World Wheelchair um, Golf Championships in Spain in November as well. So simultaneously, actually, as it turns out, I think that tournament is on in Spain on the 15th of November. So whilst we get kick-started at, uh, at the lakes, um, we'll have we'll have some golfers going over there and participating in that. So, it it yeah, just to highlight that point, it does turn it from 
what could potentially be seen as as you know as Mike said tokenistic mm-hmm. to to real life but I've seen things change too in the last couple of years like a good example like my role I, I also work um, uh, part-time at Golf Victoria I work two days two or three days a week at Golf Vic and I think uh, whether it's people like you know we've had Mike come and participate in the Oates Vic Open in the Pro-Am or we've had Def Golf Victoria or we've had um, some para golfers playing the Pro-Am and um, we've really normalised people with disability I think in our sport now I think people I used to see some heads turn when they saw the para golfer for the first time down at say 13th this Beach is the, the kind of wheelchair thing that stands up and yeah helps, that's helps. right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know it's obviously a, a fantastic piece of equipment that will stand someone with paraplegia or quadriplegia up to, to play golf but um, I've seen things change dramatically where now it's not people aren't going up to people that are using those sort of things and saying I think this is fantastic that you're playing. They're actually sort of just having conversations like, you know, how are you playing at the moment? Yeah, just, just, just like any other yeah, member. Yeah. You might not even say a word to them. Exactly, you know, right? And I, I'd you know, say like, Mike is probably yeah. the same, where, yeah. you know, people don't you know, pat Mike on the head and say, oh, you know, I think it's fantastic you're out playing golf. They're, yeah, they don't. No, no they're, they're... It, quite the contrary. I mean, we played the other day, and um, I, I missed a green from about sixty-five meters. Went in the bunker, and he told me, what, what, "Can you just tell us the?" Uh... Uh, the old Johnny Miller. I said, um, "Missing, missing the green with a wedge is like missing your mouth with a spoon." Yeah, so he that's, certainly that's sticks the boots in. Uh, um, sledging that is. Yeah, yeah. Know, we do, really and that's that. and that, the other thing. Like I, I play a fair bit, of, well, not a fair bit of golf, but when yeah. I get a chance to go out and play, like we we're great mates, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we we enjoy a bit of banter, and you know, we get back in the. But there's no concessions either it's not like you sit no. there and go you know you don't get any uh any special treatment well, and no one wants it either want absolutely so we're off the back tees at the lakes and yeah. whilst that prospect terrifies me um on some of those holes Harden up, mate yeah exactly right. exactly so it's um it's you, you don't want that. I mean, we've all been through... It's a game of golf at the end of the day, yeah. and every single person that's competing in the All Abilities Challenge yep. uh, this year has been through something far worse in their life uh, than having a bad round of golf. So it's the experience, but um, make no mistake about it, everyone that uh, starts in the, in, in the field is going to want to win. So. Stace, I just wanted to ask you as a pro uh, what you think the male pros will think about... Um, um, the All Abilities Championship coming in between their groups or however they do that? you know, Would there, would there be any resistance to that? Or? No, definitely not. I mean, I think, again, it's just a great opportunity to showca- showcase these athletes. You know, they're just other golfers, aren't they? Like it is. Mm. They're just... It's about the... Like we spoke of, the inclusion. Um, yep. I think it's fantastic and congratulations to all the team, really, I think, on getting it happening, getting it off the ground. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing to remember too, like nothing changes with the Emirates Australian Open. It's still exactly the same tournament. You know, we're still going to see the same cuts and, you know, the same format, everything like that. Um, but, you know, what an opportunity for these guys as well to play in front of these crowds that they may not get at a, I don't know, when you have it separate separate to this. I think it's, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, I, even to be able to get... You know the, the the likes of the CEO of the RNA, Martin Slumbers, to to throw a quote in there as well and say you know how excited and looking forward to the event because yeah it's an unknown we haven't seen it before but um, but yeah it's just a as you said Stace just a great opportunity to showcase what we're doing is the women's sorry Stace is the women's game far behind the men's game in terms of this sort of inclusion at the kind of levels that you're operating at with Australia with the Emirates Australian Open yeah so. 
I think the good thing about Vision 2025 as well, I don't know you've spoken about, you've had Shiloh and obviously Stace talks about that, um, what that means. But uh, in the inclusion space, it's, it's, it's almost like we're, we're also calling out that we don't have enough females, women and girls playing in, in this area of the sport as well. So, you know, working with the likes of Mike, you know, Mike's also president of Amputee Golf Victorian, you know, the discussions that we have is, you know, we understand that even at, at that sort of level of participation, women and girls are very underrepresented in this yeah. area as How well. Do you so, mean, Mike? Like what sort of, what not enough, those? Andy. Yeah, uh, are, well, like... with the Australian Open, we had two females. We had an international and then uh, one more, Kath. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's the thing of, you know, we want to get more young people, more females involved Absolutely. in the game because, yeah. you know, disability doesn't extend just to males. Yeah. And, um, and, and so the more people we can include from a grassroots level um, with organisations like Limbs for Life, amputee support organisations and networks, if we can tap into those, mm. as I said, you know, make it as inclusive as possible. Um, mm run clinics during the national tournaments, those sorts of things, and give people a great experience, and they're going to come back for more every single year, which is what we want. So, yeah. and, and it's no different to the way that we present the game for women, whether you're an amputee or whether you're, a, you're an able-bodied person looking to it's get in the golf. game, you're a female. Yeah. It's just golf at the end of the day. And, and, you know, so this is where, you know, whether it's, you know, making sure we have... Good representation through women on boards of of, uh, of you know disabled golf associations or just across the whole sport. Um, yeah, this is where Vision twenty five uh, twenty twenty five is fantastic because um, it calls out um, obviously some shortfalls across mainstream sport, but especially in in the area of inclusive golf, um, there's a lot more work to be done. But you know, just obviously. Having the opportunity to work with Shiloh on those strategies to improve that has been fantastic. You've got a little powerhouse in your corner in that regard. Yeah. Listen, we've scratched the surface here. We could, we're, and the story is like marginally told. We'd love to hear more of your story, Mike. I'm sure we will as the days get closer to this sure. and thereafter. Christian, to you and your team, keep up the good work. It's we're happy to tell the story here, but we want more people to be open to what's going on out there. You know, have a look at it and just be, you know, be proud of the game, I reckon. If we love the game and we want the game to be one that makes itself open and available to as many people as possible and through the work of yours and through what you're doing, Mike, um, it's going some way towards meeting those ambitions and aims. Thanks for coming on and telling us about it, and good luck. With Thanks, Thanks Andy. Mate. Terrific. We'll Thanks, Thank you. Mike Rolls is going to be turning up. Christian Hamilton is the National Inclusion Manager for Golf Australia. There's a lot to look forward to in that space, and we'll be talking about it as it plays out here on Inside the Rose. We've got a break out of the way. Back to wrap it up on the other side of this. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Visit G'day guys, it's Brian Russell here, and I'm a long way from home, playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf by listening inside the road. Welcome back to the show. Um, just before we kind of wrap it up and go through all the little bits and pieces of the housekeeping, the Mike Rolls story, 
He's left the room now, so we can talk about it. Um, what a story. It's, oh. it's incredible. Have you ever... I, I've been lucky enough to play with amputee golfers. I played around yeah, I at uh, Sandhurst a long time ago. Now, I don't know whether I was playing with the guy that I was talking about. I can't remember his name. But the, the bloke I played with would uh, balance himself over the ball, get in the address position, balance himself over the ball. Then he would he would drop his... Um, the the support, the support prosthetic yeah. and play shots off one leg and yeah. he hit the ball I think the guy I was playing with played off about two um, he was he was a pure ball striker as you'd see at any club on any Saturday anywhere and I played with plenty of scratch golfers at my yeah. local club this guy hit the ball as well as any of those blokes it's great with isn't one it? leg. yeah I mean, it's unbelievable it's how exciting for them with the Emirates Australian Open. I mean, absolutely. And look, the work that Christian does. We should mention Andy. Uh, you know, this inclusion stuff. Christian is in charge of that at Golf Australia. Now, if you just go to the Golf Australia website, golf.org.au, if you're remotely interested in this, or if you know someone who you think that would help, I went down to a day they had at Metropolitan Golf Club here in Melbourne recently, where they had some para golfers there who are paraplegics. Obviously, they have a chair that That's lifts up and stands them up yeah. so that they can hit the ball. I mm. spoke to quite a few of the people. Uh, Christian works in all of this area, and it's just phenomenal. And the TAC were there, the Transport Accident Commission. They love it. They mm. sponsor it because it's fantastic for rehab of people who've had accidents. There are a whole heap of people there, Stace, who'd had car accidents. There's a lot of motorbike accidents, stuff like that. In the case of Mike Rolls, he had a disease when he was younger. He obviously lost his legs. I mean, it's it's great rehab. It's a great game for that because you don't have to run or mm. physical contact or whatever. It's brilliant to get people back to their lives. Yeah, exactly. And like Mike said, you know, for him to be out in the fresh air, that was like Spot what on. got him, you yeah. know? Yeah. And your dad, Mike, is an yeah. absolute hero. Yeah. Um, For dropping him. Yeah. British, uh, British amateur. Now, we're, we're going to be uh, constrained here by lag times and all the rest of it, but early in the tournament, there was a, um, a young Australian who we mentioned on this show uh, occasionally. I know Bla- uh, Hazy always does, but was going pretty well early in the early in the piece. Yeah, Dave Michalusi, who's from the VIS, uh, was running second through one round. They play two rounds of stroke, then they go to uh, match play. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of uh, young male Australian players over there, including Dylan Perry from New South Wales is an interesting one, was runner-up last year. Remember we spoke about him last year? He was four up, I think, with five... Uh, to play, oh, hurts, uh, there hurts. wasn't there wasn't much riding on the line. I only get a start in the U.S. Open, we the British Open Championship, and the Masters. I'm sure he's so he's back there. Yeah. He, he's back there trying yep. again. So there's a, there's a bunch of but Dave Michaluzzi in particular. And we get to see that you, if you keep your eyes on Foxtel or Fox Sports, we get we get cut down highlights of that um, tournament once it gets particularly into the um, into the match play knockout phase. The quality of golf is extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it's genuinely, yeah. it is phenomenal. So that'll be bobbing up um, probably this weekend, I imagine. We'll get to see a bit of that. Stace, there's a few uh, the elite women overseas at the yes, moment as well. Yes, they are. Obviously, uh, yeah, the overseas trips are all underway at the moment. And we had a good result last week in the Women's Porter Cup. Um, Steph Bunky finished fourth, which was, yeah, fantastic, fantastic result for her and... Um, yeah, that'll be some good good confidence booster for Steph. And this yeah. is the week, isn't it, where a couple of them get to spend that that much sought after week with Kari Webb? Yeah, I think we spoke of it, you know, on the show when it was first uh, announced that Grace Kim and Becky uh, Becky Kay they were the winners of the Kari Webb series this year, and at the KPMG Championship next week. Um, they get to the opportunity to shadow Kari for the week, and you know, obviously learn everything from her. But not only her, like all 
other players, players that she practices with and yeah hopefully they make the most of that week and you know we might even try and get them on the show next week now indeed we will now blakey this dangerous work leaving this sort of stuff in your hands but you have got hazy normally does this he stuff. does a beautiful job we've got the reviews and the <laughs> subscription details if you're a first time listener to uh, inside the ropes and you want to hear more what do they need give me a mark afterwards okay so if you like the podcast please uh, subscribe to us we'd love that if you you go to apple Podcasts, stitcher or spotify and subscribe to us and in terms of reviews this week we do have a couple of good ones clates always gets a nice mention here this one's uh living abroad it is a great way to catch up Keep up to date with all things on the Australian golf scene. Love the interviews with the next generation of Australian stars and the discussions on course architecture with Clayton. Keep up the great work. That's from Brendan in Denmark, an overseas one. Let's hope he's surrounded by a lot of really disappointed Danes. Football followers, yeah. (laughs) This one is uh, from Damo. If you ask the other person if they want you to leave your ball there, this relates to last week's discussion about backstopping. If you ask them to leave your ball there, then that's colluding. Jimmy Walker is clearly a little slow in the head. That's a bit rough. If you just just choose to do it without asking, then it's poor form at the least. Cheers from Damo. They were both five-star reviews, That's a five-star contribution from you, Damo. We've got to mention the Play 9 competition. There's a couple of little things we've got to mention. So, twenty. I mentioned this last week. This is an unbelievable prize, Stace. 24 yep. lucky golfers from around the country will play nine holes at the Lakes Golf Club on day three of the Australian Open, and you could be one of them. The winners will not only get to play there, they get to travel to Sydney on Friday the 16th of November. They stay two nights. They get a gift pack. They go to the Champions Cocktail Function. Uh, it's being done through the clubs and golf facilities around That's the country. Fantastic. If your club's not Great. doing it, ask them why not, because yeah. it's perfectly available for them to do it. So and uh, get on to it. it. Tell your club to start getting its head in the game for the longest day this year. Longest Tell day? Start thinking about it, right? Yeah. You in it again, Andy? You keen? Yeah, I'll do it again. I'll same, do it again. same. Uh, we want, eventually we want so, at least somebody doing it at every golf club yep. around Australia. That, yep. that, that's the ultimate ambition. Yep. So uh, the thing's growing exponentially, you know, year on year, um, and it's exceeding the hit targets in terms of money's raised. Yep. Money that has been raised along the longest days already now gone back into um, the organisations that need it, Cancer Council Victoria yep. and others for research and development. Great so cause. the money's being used. Yeah. Where so, are you thinking of doing it this year, Andy? Well, Where are you? Kerr Lewis was so good to us last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law and Hazy and I. Yeah. Uh, I'd be disappointed if we didn't go back down there. Yeah. But, um, nice. And Hazy's yeah. probably working out for it already. Uh, <laughs> World Cup tickets, Andy. World uh, Cup tickets. Yeah. World Cup tickets go on, they go on sale this this week. They do. They uh, do. So it's November 21 to 25 at Metro. If you're wondering who's playing, we don't know yet, but it goes off the world rankings. So basically the way it works is that there's 28 countries involved they have two players each so the top ranked player on the world rankings from each country chooses their partner so in the case of australia at the moment would be jason day would have the option of choosing let's say adam scott or cameron smith if you want you know Mm. if he wants an all queensland job or he might 
which is Mark Leishman, and that runs right through all the top country. So it's going to be a phenomenal awesome. field awesome. at a phenomenal course. Those tickets are uh, they start at fifteen bucks, which is crazy oh, cheap. And, uh Sixteen people, sixteen and under, uh, get in for free with their parent, you know, with a with an adult. So couldn't, couldn't so they're on sale this week. And I did want to ask Great. you, Andy, yes, uh, in, as part of general business, and Stacey, you might want to come in on this. Yep. Uh, just what did you think about the crowd at the US Open? Oh, can, well, I mentioned them today. This, he, he's he's going to go red, Stace. He oh, goes red when they are talking. they are the greatest morons on planet Earth. Yes. No, no, seriously, it's are. In not terms of good, is it? They it had is a lot of the old Baba Booey people and oh, get come in the on, hole. Big man. Come on, big man! And yes, not only that, there's a lot of uh, Ian Poulter. My understanding is copped quite a lot of flack. You know, they they do actually get stuck into mm. some people. I saw Henrik Stenson actually oh. look at a guy. He missed a part. Someone said something. I could I rewound it back. I couldn't understand what the guy said, but he said something detrimental, and Henrik Stenson just went. Being and zipped yeah, his lips right. as, if to, as if to say, no, don't, don't get to go. So, Augusta National's been good enough. Uh, the, sorry, <laughs> they are, they've got a, their policies are such that they've been able to stamp this out yeah. at the Masters. You don't get it at, no, you don't. You don't get it at Augusta. No. no. So, it can be done. It can happen, yeah. It's, it's just so disrespectful, isn't it? It's, it's embarrassing yeah. for them, Stacey. If yeah. only they could see themselves the way the rest of the world does there. Why did you bring that? I had such a nice time today. I knew that it, I knew that would set you look off, at, Andy. Look at the fumes it, it, coming just, out. it really annoyed me while I was watching it, and I meant mm. to mention it to you before because I knew that you would be oh, just steaming. No, and to see players react like it, it must you know it must be a build up. It's not the first time they've heard it, kind of thing. You know, when you see Stenson doing that sort of thing, yeah. he's clearly been putting up with it all day, and Correct. it's just got too much. So I think if you drilled in, real you, if you could get them in a quiet room and ask them, oh. I think you'll find that they've they've copped a fair bit of flack, and that seems to be part of the culture, you know. Yeah, make, mm. make, your, part of make the world. America great again, mate. Mm. That's all part yeah. of that, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. Um, Stace, yep. lovely. Congratulations on doing what you've done at the Vic Open, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me again, Blakey. You're a superstar. See you later, well Andy. Done. Thanks for tuning this week. Tuning in. This has been Inside the Ropes, episode number forty-eight. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Back next week to do it all again.